1: It's eight minutes after eight. And uh, just before we get into the forum, uh, some emergency numbers. If you are in Cape Town, if you are in need of help uh, for emergencies, you can call 107 from a landline or 021-480-7700 from a cell phone. And the Cape of Good Hope SPCA is also on standby to assist with any animals that are found injured uh, or left strayed by the fire. The Cape of Good Hope SPCA can be contacted on 021-700-4159 or 8 so uh, those numbers we'll put up on our website and we'll also tweet and Facebook them so do be safe if you are in the Cape area and as Rob Byrne was saying if you don't need to be around the area where the fires are raging please stay away because you are making it difficult for firefighters to actually reach uh, those areas so with that out of the way let's get back to the forum this morning and matter. Um, matter to many of our hearts. Now, uh, following last Wednesday's budget speech by Finance Minister Tlan Nene, the middle class uh, said that they feel short-changed as debt mounts. Spending has increased and so have the taxes. And uh, on the Sunday in the city press, uh, Sipo Maswondo did a very interesting article talking about the middle class cash bomb uh, detonates, uh, D-E-B-T onates. And, um, and that, that, that was very insightful. And that speaks to what we are discussing this morning, right to a T. So on the forum at 8 this morning, we are going to look at the reasons behind the spike in middle class debt. And according to UNISA's Bureau of Market Research Consumer Financial Vulnerability Index, South African consumers are under pressure and they say it's due to high levels of debt and spending beyond their means. Does this sound familiar to you? Do you think that you are living beyond your means? Do you consider yourself middle class? Um, do tell us, uh, call us 0891 104208. And you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM live on SAFM or SMS us on 34701. So the question we are asking you this morning is, how did the South African middle class get into the trouble that we are seeing now. And uh, to help us navigate uh, through this is uh, Yakulise Mayring, who is an economist at the Bureau of Market Research at UNISA, and she was part of the research team working on the Consumer Financial Vulnerability Index. Thanks for speaking to us this morning, Yakuliz.
2: Thank you, Katina. Thank
1: you for the opportunity. And Dr. Penelope Hawkins is uh, joining us as well, and she is the Managing Director of Economic Policy and Research Company Feasibility. Thanks for your time as well, Dr. Hawkins.
2: Good morning, and good morning to the listeners.
1: And uh, perhaps I should start with you, Dr. Hawkins. When we talk about the middle class, how would you identify the middle class and, uh, by extension, a middle class lifestyle?
2: Well, thank you very much. I think, you know, it is a fairly broad term, um, and I think you'll find many different definitions applied. Um, Typically, we're talking about people who are not um, wealthy. uh, They don't have necessarily uh, accumulated a large number of assets. Um, And in South Africa, we're talking about people who are typically employed. They're employed in the private sector. Some of them, of course, also employed in the public sector, which is a big employer, um, but we're talking about a group of people whose average income is probably around about ten or twelve thousand rand a month. And um, these are people, um, you know, that that of course can range. So you can have a fairly extensive range, from as low as perhaps seven or eight thousand to as high as above thirty. So it's a it's a large group of people, but they are people who are very often um, constrained by uh, a lot of um, demands on their on their uh, income. And in work we did in, say, 2013 for the National Consumer Commission, um, we had a look at this group of people and said, what do they spend their money on? It was very interesting to see that, um, on average, this group of people that we've defined in this way um, are spending well over 10% of their income per month on what we would call administrative pricing, priced goods. And that's a full range of stuff. It includes prices over which the government has some some control, either through import duties or through access. Um, and so it includes things like fuel, um, transport costs, trains, um, certain controlled food pricing, Um, prescription medicine, uh, taxi fares, school fares, um, electricity, water, and so on. And if you look at this group of people since the, the slump in the economy in about 2009 onwards, this group of people have borne the brunt of those increases in administrative pricing. Now, as those prices increase and their incomes are squeezed, They still have to pay for all the other things, and that is one of the contributors to this group of people moving into debt. They simply cannot afford what they used to afford, and part of the creep um, is not only taxes but also administered pricing.
1: And then then add to that the fact that wages have stagnated. You know, uh, people are very often left uh, in some instances with no option but to accept, you know, uh, below inflation related uh, salary increments because you are told you take it or you leave it. And just looking at those uh, structural dynamics, do you think that that has been one of the major contributors uh, in uh, causing the decline of the middle class, Dr. Hawkins? Well, I think, you know, it's the, the truth is that these things are composite, um,
2: and they're very many contributors. So prices are generally increasing. We all know that um, most prices, once they increase, they very seldom drop again. So if you're living in a, in a generally inflationary environment and prices increase, um, they very seldom fall. They, you know, they are the odd exception. Sometimes we do have a, a decline in the fuel price, for example. Um, but typically prices are increasing generally. Um, There's a lot of pressure on this group of people, and also you'll find that this group of people in particular are very concerned about um, their, their children's education. They're probably in that last stage, many of them, where they are looking to making sure that their children are better off than themselves in terms of education and so on. So they're paying premiums for additional services in education, whether they're extra school fees, um, extra lessons after school, or perhaps moving to a model C school where they pay higher fees, and so on and so on. So the squeeze comes from many directions, but what is interesting is that because they are not wealthy, Mm. this particular group can't opt out and, as you say, um, utilize alternative choices um, in the same way that um, the... The upper class can do so.
1: Now, uh, just to, uh, you know, put it into context a little further, Yuckelisa um if you have a family, let's say they have a bond um, which they bought near the top market uh, with a minimal down payment. They've got student loans or school fees at private schools. They've got more, uh, maybe two cars for each of the parents, uh, credit cards and also making payments in all, on all sorts of other accounts like utilities. They've got transport uh, to take care of, groceries, um, and so on and so forth. You know, the, the, the broadband, uh, mobile phones and all of these things. Th- that family, if you just look at some of the things that I've mentioned, is that middle class or is it simply indebted? Sakina, you know, I think it's it's a bit of both. Um,
2: middle class, yes, I, I totally agree with this Dr. Orkin. Um, that those consumers are, are the consumers typically faced with, with the brunt of the increase in the admin prices, the increase in the taxes, because these are the individuals that typically start to pay taxes, etc. Um, and they are in that type of life stage where they as a family that, as you just mentioned, um, they have children that, are, that they want to send to private school if possible, um, but, but I think a, a large part of, of the business can also be ascribed to your up-and-coming, if I can call it that, that those individuals that they want to keep up with the donors, um, they go into debt, they take out debt in order to to get a certain lifestyle and compare, uh, compare to your higher income groups. Um, furthermore, your... Interest rate hikes, um, we've seen, to we just add to that, the, the interest rate hikes have hit the middle income group, uh, middle class, uh, quite substantially, um, because your, your interest rates are the highest on your unsecured debt. And the middle class are typically those individuals also that have unsecured debt, as well as your mortgage payments that they need to conduct
1: and then just going back to Sipo Masondo's article in City Press uh, this uh, past Sunday, it goes on to say that the number of South Africans applying for debt review has shot up nearly 30% a month since December 2014 and according to Paul Slot, the president of the Debt Counselling Association of South Africa, the number of people applying for debt review has increased from about 11,000 a month uh, last year to 14,000 a month in 2015. So, should Surely people are finding it very hard, uh, Yaakaliza, to actually keep head above water. Definitely. Um,
2: given the, the pressure that they are seeing from heights um, in, in the electricity tariffs, uh, that that's including the municipal prices, um, the heights in, in your uh, health fees, your education fees, uh, the, the middle class is severely in a squeeze, if I can call it that. Um, the middle class, are in a place that um, they are facing the a large increase, increase in interest rates. And we've seen with our analysis that debt servicing, um, the, the ability of consumers to actually service their debt, has been the, the largest factor that are placing consumer finances under pressure. Um, during the whole of 2014, um, this was the factor that basically placed consumers in a difficult situation that made them feel um, almost on, on the brink of becoming vulnerable. Um, they are they'll in exposed category according to the the um, the measurement scale of the vulnerability. But uh, we we see that your debt servicing is is the pressure and therefore consumers need to get out somewhere and, and I think it's it's a it's a large part if 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 you look at some of the data that's available, then you can see that if, if you consider, um, data that's in arrears, that's for, uh, that's more than three months behind, um, we see that, uh, some of your 22 million credit asset consumers that we have, only 40, or 45% of them are in arrears. But if we look at the, the value of the data's book, um, only 7% of the data's book is an area. So if, if you do a little calculation, then on average, they, they, that that's 45% of the consumers are actually, on average, um, facing an arrears payment of about 11,000 grand. So it's not large payments, but they're struggling to repay that amount due to other pressures coming from higher inflation, etc., that they need Mm. to conduct
1: for your essential goods and services. But, uh, Dr. Hawkins, isn't this self inflicted, though, by the middle class? I mean, if you look at some of the choices that they make uh, in how they actually spend their money, um, where you need, you feel the need to drive uh, the latest uh, luxury German car, when a little Japanese sedan would probably do, uh, where you choose to live in a certain normal northern suburb, whereas, you know, a nice home in Soweto uh, where your money could have gone further is not an option. So how much of this is actually self-inflicted?
2: Well, I think there are two things, uh, two parts of your question there. I think clearly there you do make the choice to go into debt. Um, But I think the work we've been doing over many years has shown that it's very, very easy to get into debt. So, um, you know, people and time and time again have said in focus groups, you know, I'm actually pursued by people who want to offer me credit. So I'm at work and I'm told, you know, I applied maybe for 10,000 Rand loan and somebody will phone me and say, but do you know you qualify for 100,000?
1: But why can't they say no? Um, And they do. They do
2: say no at first, but it continues and it continues. And then they think, but if I did do this, maybe I could, you know, raise myself to another level, and then everything would work out. So there is this problem. I mean, what we've found, but but I think you do need to just be careful that we do seem to be talking about two different groups of people, that the kind of people that I think are middle class are not necessarily the people who are going for the German um, luxury sedan. These are people who have, yes, bought their car on credit. They may well have a bond on their house and they may well be spending on their credit card, but they're not necessarily buying luxury goods. They're buying goods that they actually need to survive and to, to yes, have a reasonable standard of living. But I think we must, must be careful that we're not actually talking about the very high conspicuous end spenders. I think that is a different group of people. The middle class that I'm talking about are people who spend everything every month and more, because they do have credit facilities and so on. But Are there not different strata in that middle class? Bag.
1: Sorry? Uh, don't you have different strata in that middle class, or is it just one homogenous group? Yes, I think group? so, but I, I
2: think, you know, the problem is that we tend to brand the ordinary person in the middle class, which is actually the biggest group of middle class, who's really just trying to spend, to, to keep up with rates and taxes and the education supplementary expenditure and... Groceries that have just gone up, um, and fuel to keep the Japanese car on the road. Um, we tend to lump that person with the very high end conspicuous spender, and the people that Jacqueline is talking about, who own on average eleven thousand rand, when they are highly indebted and going into arrears, and simply cannot survive, are not the people who've actually got the Japanese, the the, the high end German car. And I think the point that I want to make about this group of people who are in the the sort of, shall we say, middle to lower middle class, this group of people is the people that I think are under severe pressure. And when we've done focus groups in the past, what we found so interesting was that the people who managed to get out of their indebted situation compared to the people who really struggled and in the end had to sell assets, maybe even move um, just to get rid of some of their um, increasing debt. What we found about them was that the difference between them is that the people who emerge out of that indebtedness are people who find somebody else to help them, and it's typically a relative. Mm. Um, because the problem is when you're in that state where your your interest is rolling over and it's increasing all the time and you looking at what you can actually cut out of your budget every month, to tighten your belt. Very often the difference between the person who just really in the, in the end almost wants to abscond from their debt and the perp- person who comes out of it is that there's somebody who lends a hand. And the, the, the and mostly not that the what banks. We are doing Sorry, just to finish, I mean the problem is that we're living in an era where people are generally living beyond their means. And You know, I think if you think about the generations that went before us, I don't know about yourself, but certainly I speak for myself, my grandparents were never in debt. Um, My parents, the only debt that I know they ever had was a bond. Um, They didn't have credit cards. And so we've got into a stage where, yes, in answer to your first question, it is partly our own doing, um, but it's it's part of our consumer culture that we, we need more, we need to show more, and we need to, yes, as Jack and says, keep up with the Joneses
1: and that seems to be part of the problem keeping up with the Joneses so do you consider yourself to be a middle class South African tell us what your financial situation is right now Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight. petrol price went up again uh, last night and uh, it's likely to go up again not likely it will go up because we have that fuel levy uh, coming on uh, 85 cents uh, next month so uh, there you go and that in addition to uh, taxes you'll be paying uh, slightly more in tax so all of these things are putting a real squeeze on uh, the middle class. And uh, we are asking you this morning, how did the South African middle class get into the sort of trouble that we are seeing today? Our guest this morning, Yakulies Mayring, who is an economist, um, and uh, also uh, Dr. Penelope Hawkins, who is a managing director of economic policy and research company Feasibility. I want to read through some of the messages coming through uh, very quickly, um, starting with this one here from Kosatu. Kosatu says if income inequality becomes too high, large numbers of people no longer have the means to participate in the economy. Uh, Sipo Masonda says the fresh uh, tax fuel electricity medical aid hike uh, will eject many out of the middle class it's quite hectic and uh, Spiwe Dubandlela says consumerism greed and the need to impress others is the root cause of people swimming into debt now just to look at a few of those uh, Yakulis firstly um, uh, what uh, Sipo is talking about uh, you know people being ejected from that middle class band w- what did your research show in that regard
2: well, Sakina, um, we, we've seen that uh, the, the middle class, yes, a lot of people in the middle class, are, due to the pressures um, that they're facing with, um, on the expenditure side, um, are fa- forced to basically buy down. So um, therefore, they, they look at, at, at substandard purchasing and so forth, or they need to move because they can't afford their home anymore, so they they need to either opt to to rent rather um than than to buy a house and have a mortgage on their name um so so those consumers are are definitely seeing uh, patterns of buying down of people adjusting their budgets where they have the financial um, education of course if if uh, if that's an important part that um I think we also need to mention is that you're the, the need for financial education, and, and people are not um, being taught how to do a budget, for example. Um, the, those individuals are typically also the individuals that um, set out debt and they don't realise what the impact of compound interest, etc., can uh, take on their finances.
1: Well, we will come back to this discussion after the news break on the forum at eight this morning. We are asking how did South Africa's middle class get into the trouble that we are seeing right now? Oh eight nine one one oh four two oh eight is the number to dial. You can also get in touch with us via Twitter or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM or on 34701. That's the SMS line.
0: The forum at eight on SAFM.
1: Thank you so much, Natalie. And back to the forum at 8. This morning we are asking you how did South Africa's middle class get into the trouble that they find themselves in right now? The middle class cash bomb detonates is what the city press was saying uh, this weekend. And we're discussing this particular phenomenon. Our guest this morning, Yachaliz Mayring and uh, also Dr. Penelope Hawkins. And taking your calls on 891 and uh, you can SMS us on 34701 34701- tweet or Facebook at AM live on SAFM. I just want to run through a few more messages before uh, we get back to the lines. Uh, This one from Joe in Peter Marisberg. He says uh, over indebtedness is not a necessary feature in a capitalist setup or is it? Um, and then uh, Ron says, uh, is the black middle class the same as the white middle class? I hold irresponsible lenders responsible. In Cape Town, pensioners can easily get 96,000 rand credit from uh, furniture stores, banks, clothes stores, uh, food stores uh, such as Woolworths, heavy marketing from uh, these companies. Mbokane in Joburg says, most South Africans spend the bulk of their money on booze, and that's a free ticket to a dead pool. And Terrence says, banks don't make it easy. Easy uh, With their high banking fees And just looking at uh, the Twitter feed this morning Imran says uh, Credit Suisse report states that 75% of South Africa's disposable income Goes to servicing debt So uh, there's something to mull over uh, Fanyana Deemofa says It's simple If you're earning 30,000 Rand a month You drive a car at 12,000 Rand uh, per month uh, Staying in a 15,000 Rand per month house it's catastrophic, and you cannot blame government for that. Khumutu Maluleke's contribution, The middle class created these odds by seeking to live beyond reasonable means. Pride, prestige, and competition also adds. And uh, those are some of the comments coming through already. But I want to go to the lines 891 And uh, this morning we are asking you the question, how did South Africa's middle class find itself in this debt trap that seems to be suffocating them at the moment? And do you consider yourself to be a middle class South African? If so, tell us what your situation is, if you're willing to share. Let's go to Mulligan in Cape Town, Belleville to be exact. Good morning, Mulligan.
3: Uh, good morning, SK and uh, your esteemed guest. Um, Sekina. I have a few things to contribute. One. Um, you asked the question how. Um, I'll, I'll answer that question. Um, this happens uh, because the, the, the vast majority of the black middle class um, is made up of what I call uh, financial ostriches. People stick their heads in the sand and wish that a problem that had existed uh, would just um, it would, would just eliminate itself, that's one. So there is there is a high level of denial
0: mm-hmm. and
3: denialism um, among the black metal class. And then we also have what one of the um, SMS listeners has alluded to, that uh, the reckless uh, lending by financial institutions before the enactment of the NCA, that has actually sort of become the last the last straw to break the camel's back sadly we we have um, a government that we have a government that uh, um, is not proactive but reactive Uh, situations develop and they watch these things developing and then they react to those instead of anticipating um, the damage and then put measures in place to cap or to curtail the, the, the negative effect. So lastly, I would like to say, know on SAFM we have Brian Hesh, who is a regular and I see SASM is proactive in that they do, they, 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 they kind of expose South Africa to good financial planning, good financial advice, but I'm wondering if whether uh, the same thing could happen on the um, vernacular stations, that on a regular basis they become part of uh, personal financial management um, workshops or advice that uh, our people can just benefit. That's all I have to
1: say. Thank all right. Know. Thanks for that, Maligan, and I will make a note of that. Yanela um, in Freyheit, good morning.
4: Hey, Sakina, can you hear me? Clearly. All right, Sakina, you asked why, right? Um, mm-hmm. Comfort, fulfillment, and a peace of mind. I think every human being is entitled to that and that's what we're all working towards, right? Um, the middle class, I am middle, middle class I think. Um, so toward, uh, in, in in the side that we're working towards this, uh, what you do as a middle class, you try and get yourself a comfortable home. You ask why don't people live in Soweto. If you think of the commuting between Tobik and Soweto, it's, it's it's horrible, the traffic is horrible, it's quite far, you don't get any comfort there, you don't get any fulfillment, you don't get any peace of mind. If you try and move closer to town, the, the bond is too high. I drive uh, a, a 1986 car. I can't even afford a new car. I've got a kid, uh, a young baby on the way, trying to make budget for that so that I can put her to school. So you ask, how did this happen? How did the middle class get into debt? It's because we're trying to, just trying to achieve a comfortable life, and we're trying to achieve fulfillment in our lives and a peace of mind. That's what we're trying to do. Thanks, Sakina.
1: Thank you so much, Yanela, I love to hear your story as well. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight, Emmanuel in Pretoria. Good morning.
0: Hello, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? Fine, thanks, and uh, good morning to your guests as well. What I want to say, one of the underlying problems that's really leading to to this misfortune is the lack of financial education from the institutions themselves in terms of empowering these men. I mean. If you think about it, a graduate from a university knows nothing about budgeting because the syllabus never covers that. I myself, for one, am a graduate from a university. I cannot even remember a single course from the engineering studies I did containing about how to budget, how to manage your debt, how to do liability assets, you know, in terms of managing that. We never have that basic, basic knowledge about it. And also from the background, most black families are functional in terms of Money management, because we never said with our dads when they do budget. In actual fact, you realize our mothers don't even know how much our fathers earn. And hence, this problem perpetuates to the next generation as well. So all I'm saying, the young people need to invest in themselves, find the knowledge necessary to manage their finance better. And the issue of defining ourselves in terms of how much debt we have. I mean, you find people defining themselves, they're better than the rest because they're driving a specific German car. That's not the way to go. It is actually how much value are you worth when you're comparing to the next person in terms of how much assets positive do you have to acquire, not the negatives.
1: Thank okay, you, thanks, Emmanuel. Uh, Bukhus, uh, you in Calvin, good morning.
5: Good morning, Sakina. First of all, I'd like to withdraw my Arsenal remark
1: <laughs> I, I
5: touched the raw nerve there.
1: You I are am forgiven. I'm
5: and at home I'm Morocco swallows. How do you like that?
1: Yeah, no, good, good going uh, there. <laughs> um,
5: Sadina, what's happening here is, um, you know, the CPI as calculated by State South Africa has never, ever, according to my observation, be a, been a true reflection of the real cost of living, and. When the employers negotiate for salary increases, they always base their increases on uh, a CPI, Uh, and worst of all, for the pensioners. And if they ever exceed the CPI, it will be by half a percentage point or one percentage point. So in the process, you will never ever uh, cope with the cost of living. Uh, Another thing is your administered costs, Mm. your petrol, your lights, your water, uh, and and health, by the way. They, They are always above the CPI range. Petrol, for instance, at one stage, I don't have the latest statistics, when inflation was at 6%, CPI for petrol was at 11%. So, And so it goes on. Health, for instance, there's no help there. Both all stakeholders in health are responsible for uh, putting the cost of health uh, more than the inflation rate. Uh, the medical aids themselves, the government itself, and um, and the service providers—that is, your hosp- your private hospitals—all those costs are above the uh, stipulated CPI as. Uh, Pronounced by South Africa. Mm. So the difference will always be there and people will struggle to uh, keep abreast with the real cost of living.
1: All right. Thank you so much for that contribution, Mukosi, and Kelvin. And just a reminder of that question that we are grappling with this morning. How did the middle class find itself in this debt trap that it is in right now, this trouble that the middle class finds itself in regarding debt? How did we get here? Chet in Cape Town, good morning.
6: Good morning, Sakina. Uh, firstly, I'd like to say, you know, to call people earning 12000 a month middle class, is a cruel hoax, in my opinion. But anyway, the problem really is that we have a debt-based money system when 97% of our money supply is created out of thin air when banks issue loans through the fractional reserve system. Furthermore, the banks go on to securitize all these debts and sell them on to other investors. So the banks are incentivized to, to issue credit to, to all and sundry without you know, proper uh, due care to, you know, into seeing that they can afford these uh, loans. And this is what caused the subprime crisis in the U.S., and it's a global problem. The middle class throughout the world are in severe uh, financial mm. distress.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Chet, in Cape Town. Timothy, you're in Durban. Good morning.
6: Morning, S.K.
7: Hi, Tim. I'm um, right. Um, I also just would want to touch on the issue of, of crime as well, because um, um, I consider myself to be you know, in the middle class as well, but um, uh, there are some things as a parent, as um, uh, you just do, like, and obviously, if you c- compare yourself, you know, in saying, let's say maybe, uh, I'm not saying anything better about locations, let's say in commercial, and a person who says, let's say, maybe in Glenwood um, or, or, or Westview, yeah, in Devon, you find that people we are totally running away from crime, from crime. You, we know that when you start working, you're staying in the, in, the, in the location. People there don't like the see people going up. So what we do is you get a, a good paying job. Let's say maybe it gives you $30,000. You move away from where, from the location. You go and try you not know, to get you a, a step up where it gives you a good security. It gives you, you know, good schools for, for your kids. But unfortunately, that really, really also comes with a price to pay because yeah, you can actually go to the, I mean, to the, I mean, to the bank. Get a bond, or or so. By 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 crime. Now, I just mean that like, you know that you no. Know, if you take, if you if you take for example, you know the responses you get from the FAPS, You know, from if you are calling for a problem, they say in Glenwood or Westville, it's different from the one you get when you're in Amlazi or KwaMashu. It's just the fact that you no, know, there are so many things that attribute to all these things. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much uh, for that, Timothy. Uh, Percy, you in Braamfontein. Good morning. Morning, I believe you're a new
8: graduate. Exactly. I, w- I wanted to say something, uh, especially what I've noticed about my social workers, like the group that were together in school, the peer pressure. Uh, you find people that uh, they are they driving cars, when you look at the car installment, it takes half of your salary. At the end of the day, you, you need a flat, you need a, a shelter. All those things, but what I've noticed is that a lack of information, and plus the peer pressure, it also somehow contributes because when we live beyond our means of living. Mm. Yeah, but I don't know what I think. Maybe we should can help us. We need to consult, especially with the banks. Like even on the small things, like when the bank is posting a bank statement to you, it's a lot of money, but when they're emailing to you, it's free, but people do not have that information. We need to consult, especially with our service providers like banks.
1: All right. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Percy. And Sig is in Randberg. Good morning, Sig. Uh, good
9: morning. Thank you very much. Uh, the, the, the loan sharking that we've that caused Marikana, uh, <laughs> that caused Marikana, and 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 uh, the African banks' total collapse—it's a utter disaster—and and all the other banks were party to it because they invested in that crooked African bank. Uh, our banking system is entirely irresponsible. They handed out credit cards to people who couldn't possibly pay back their debts, and they did it indiscriminately. Every Body got hundreds of credit cards for nothing, to, to to create bad debts. Wow, and that came on top of the BEE uh, that was financed to the tune of 600 billion minimum, 600 billion of debt uh, uh, for racist purposes, uh, with that uh, was unproductive. Misinvestment. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much for that, Sig. Now, quite a few issues being raised by our listeners there, and I'm going to try and you know just uh, lump a few of them together for our guest uh, to respond this morning. Um, Dr. Hawkins, maybe I could start with you. Many of the listeners on uh, the social media networks as well uh, raising the issue of financial education, but also about reckless lending, um, especially by the banks that are almost helping people uh, deeper into debt. Dr. Hawkins? Okay, we seem to have a problem. I can Can hear you you now. I can hear you now.
2: Can you hear me? Yes. Sorry about
1: that. Um, I think,
2: sadly, the truth is that May I just first of all say that you had some lovely comments there from the guests and thank you very much. Um, most of them, of course, are really related. I mean, This issue of reckless lending and lack of financial education and really the skills to budget, I think, are very strongly linked. Um, since we've had the National Credit um, Act, of course, we now know the term reckless lending, but that doesn't mean that it's stopped. Um, even... Uh, a few nights ago, I was listening to the, credit, the outgoing credit ombud, and he was raising matters where um, credit providers, and this, of course, includes banks and non-banks, because, of course, there are a lot of non-banks involved in this space as well, um, assess consumers, and the, the, the sales consultant has the, of, of the credit provider has the incentive to push that credit, because very often their bonus is dependent on it, and the consumer very often when they're at the desk of that credit provider, they have the incentive to perhaps, um, shall we say, almost forget some of their obligations. And so in the end you get a calculation where the consumer takes on debt that is really not not serviceable, not affordable. And that is still happening all the time. So we can't say that we're now in an era where there's no longer reckless lending. Certainly before the Credit Act there was a lot of it. But it's still going on. Mm. And it's linked to this inability of consumers to really realistically look at what they have to spend. And then, of course, it's also this issue of us living on the absolute edge of our means. So the minute we have a crisis, we have somebody we have to bury, we have an increase in the school fees, suddenly rates and taxes are reassessed and we have new increases together with new higher fuel prices together with um, food prices, all those things that people have been talking about, the cost of living increasing and the sense that actually the CPI doesn't really capture our reality, Um, all of that means that we then are forced to go into this indebtedness. So we spend a little bit more on our credit card. We seek that what we think will be a temporary loan. And because we don't understand fully the implications of what happens if we are unable to service the loan, we often end up in the state of indebtedness, over-indebtedness. Mm. and I think this is the big problem. Do we understand the implications of our indebtedness? One of the things one of your uh, listeners referred to Marikani, and of course, one of the big problems there is that if you have a, a situation where you've been a- able to service your debt, and you've been you have been that financial ostrich who just hopes it all goes away. Of course it doesn't. At some stage, there might be a court order against you, and in fact, there might be an administrative order which includes legal costs and debt collection costs. All of that is added onto your debt. And so what was maybe a loan of 10,000 rand two years ago now becomes a loan of well over forty or 60,000 rand that you're now servicing.
1: Mm. And, then, and then also uh, something that Mulligan raised And uh, uh, I see a few other people on Twitter Also going on that um, uh, Yakulis, is there a difference between The white and the black middle class? Sakina, so, you know,
2: I think it's, uh, it's a That that dangerous territory, if I can call it that mm. um, uh, we, we like to prefer to, to, to not um, really look at the, the race issue, yes, we do still face, in, in some cases, people that are, are still um, due to what happened in the past um, with, with apartheid and so forth. We, we are still faced with people that are, don't have the necessary education, etc., um, that are your, your older people. Um, that are in the middle class that are stuck there uh, that don't have necessarily the necessary need to get out of uh, or, or um, just repay their debt necessarily mm. um where where on your the the younger people i think that were not necessarily part of, of that regime um or, on faced with um, equal opportunities I can think in some cases depending on where you stay of course um that that uh, is, a, is a large influence but if you if you look at what happens in in your more your urban areas um i, I think if if you consider the people that are employed it it is becoming more representative of your the, the population distribution um but if I can just add to, to some of Dr. Hawkins' um, comments on the reckless lending, I just want to add to that on um, the affordability. When, when banks actually check on the affordability, what, what is an issue is they typically consider just your the income on an individual level. So they don't really consider um, what, what assets we have um, that could be used um Uh, and and so they don't look at the balance sheet of the individual. And furthermore, um, they don't look at the the household as a whole. A person could have the income, he is receiving the income, so on on these income and expenditures, if you compare those two, it looks relatively good, but he uh, he, uh, provides some of his income to his wife, for example, that does the expenditure for the household. Um, So excessive expenditure on that side could place the, the household in financial trouble where banks get reckless lending to an individual, the household head for example
1: i want to read some of the messages coming through on our sms line this one says the middle class are just financial slaves to society you only buy your freedom when you settle all debt and you cannot create value by owing any money Sviso in durban says i don't understand because administrative prices affect the poor why is it then uh, put as it impacts on the middle class as if it I- impacts on the middle class more um, anthony says one third are government workers ...who don't know how to manage money. Uh, Tandiwe Gulwa from Bloemfontein says... ...the financial struggle of this class... ...is the reason for high levels of employment... ...of non-skilled labour... ...because this is the class that employs most... ...rich people do not employ labour... ...but hire labour. That's from Tandiwe Gulwa in Bloemfontein. Natalie says... "Um, ...haven't had a salary increase in four years... ...and no bonus for three years... ...I'm definitely not living beyond my means or keeping up with the Joneses and Adonis in Boxburg says what's the minimum net income for anyone qualifying to be a middle class and I see a few others also asking that particular question but let me uh, read through some of the tweets very quickly, uh, Jazz Fundy says we as middle class are indebted because everything is expensive in South Africa with government being the main driver of this Tiro Makudu says uh, live outside your means because uh, we are more interested in a than sustainability, and the credit industry perpetuates this unlawfully. Azania native says, "How is job losses contributing to the problem?" In a couple of situations, when one loses his or her job, it certainly does aggravate it. And Praveen says, "Always try to live within your means. Get rid of your account and credit cards, and you just end up borrowing from." Paul to pay Peter. Mag says I disagree a lot with the analysis the financial traps afflicting poorer people is mainly a result of state corruption so those are some of the comments coming through. Unfortunately we have basically run out of time so we have to start wrapping up and Annalise, uh, I could, if I could start with you, just a parting shot you know, Um maybe some words of wisdom for our listeners as to how they could avoid or try to get out of this trap.
2: So, Kina, I think, um, first of all, if, if we uh, go back to what I mentioned on, on the typical level of debt that we're speaking about, where your consumers are facing, like 11,000 grand, I think um, that is, that's not a huge amount. So a large portion can be, if, if, if the... Um, consumers are willing to go into an agreement with the, the service provider or just um, be in contact with them and make an agreement with them to repay and so forth, then there's a lot more leniency instead of being um, what one of your listeners mentioned, being a financial ostrich. Um, Facial problems and trying to be, come out of debt as soon as possible um, start with your debts with the highest interest rates, so that's typically your unsecured, your school cards, etc. And, um, yes, yeah, so, so there's different types of, of good debt and bad debt to have. And a, a, a very important point that's been raised is financial literacy. If you can get yourself to a place or contact a family member or friend that maybe does have some information on how to draw up a budget, and that could help you to to just face what the problems are that you that you have and make the necessary plans and arrangements to get out of your problem. Dr. Horkett? Thank you. Thank you. I think just to one comment about, you know, why is the administrative pricing falling disproportionately on the middle class? If we just think about some of those prices, we're thinking about electricity use, public transport, fuel, prescription medicine, um, even something as simple as bread, chicken portions and so on, the middle class, because they are employed, have to use transport. Um, They have to get places. Um, The very poor are people who typically are able to latch into state-provided services much more easily. They are the people who are the beneficiaries of RDP housing. They're the, the beneficiaries of mobile clinics and so on. And so it's simply because the middle class are actually more economically active. They are being more squeezed by the reality of those prices. And so, yes, uh, just to repeat what Jacqueline says, This
1: is the the group of people who really do need to learn to budget. That is, unfortunately, all we have time for this morning. We're going to have to leave it there. And hopefully, you know, uh, some of the advice would go a long way into alleviating your plight. If you do find yourself in this debt trap, uh, think about it. You know, someone was saying um, the middle class people do things without question. For example, why take a mortgage instead of building? And these are some of the things that we need to take on board. Thanks for your participation. As always, to our guests this morning, Yakali's Mayring and Dr. Penelope Hawkins, and of course to the production team. It's time for news with Vabakshini Chetty Miller.
0: The Forum at 8 on SAFM.